So thank you for joining us today on Candid Conversations. Today we have Meg Fora. Uh, Meg is an occupational therapist with a passion for the care, development and education of babies and young children. Knowing that parenting is the toughest calling of all and that the early years massively impact life, Megan has made it her life's work to touch the lives of parents and young children. As a mum of three children, Meg found that her passion was to take neuroscience and research and make it practical and accessible to impact the human journey in the formative years. From pregnancy and early childhood, Meg provides support through books, parenting applications and courses, through the early years education, um, through the PlaySense program. Meg has worked in various clinical settings, including a pediatric rehab facility in New York, in private practice and a school for children with special needs. As a journalist, speaker and author in the field of child psychology, parenting and child development, she has written eight parenting titles, including the bestseller Baby Sense. As an entrepreneur, Meg founded the product company Baby Sense and in 2020 launched her parenting mobile application, Parent Sense, covering all aspects of development, feeding, sleep, health and daily bespoke routines for zero to 12 months. So thank you very much for joining us, Meg. It's lovely to have you here. Um, you have been very busy with uh, your books and apps and educational activities. So why don't you tell us a little bit about PlaySense and who is it aimed at? Yeah, oh, thank you for the introduction, Candy. Yes, and it does make me sound like I've been very busy. <laughs> Um, so PlaySense is one of the ventures I, I've had, um, I mean, as, you, as you've as you noted, I've had my clinical background and then my author um, background and journalist background, but I've also had three businesses and PlaySense is my education business. It's an ed tech company um, based out of South Africa, but it is global. Um, it's The website is parentsense.org for anybody who wants to go and have a look at it. Um, it was born actually out of a need that I had with my own children. And that was that I found I, they'd been at home with me and a nanny until they were about 18 months old. And like many parents, I started to feel like at 18 months that they needed a little bit more socialization, maybe a little bit more stimulation. So I put my firstborn into a play group, um, into a crash and um, where he was with 12 other children. And he just absolutely hated it. I mean, he melted down every time I dropped him off. He cried when I fetched him. And um, the teacher said to me, he must just come more days of the week, stay for longer. I tried that and it just nothing got better. And eventually it struck me that actually the most incredible thing that we can do for our children is to hire a nanny and to get that nanny to have be shared because it can be quite an expensive cost, but share that cost between three other like-minded like families. Um, I gave her a curriculum that I had written myself as an occupational therapist. And I said to her, here's the most incredible um, stimulation program for little ones. And if I share your costs between three other little ones, my little one gets the benefit of um, the uh, of, of socialization and the stimulation. And we gave her a little bit of a higher salary than she would have for one child, obviously. And so it was just the sweet spot. My kids, the kids were happy. The nanny was happy. And really, it was just absolutely incredible. And so um, that was really how it started. Now, my son's 24 years old, which I'm showing my age. Um, but that was the first place in group. 
it took me about 16 years to actually then go ahead and formalize it. And we formalized the business um, a few years ago and um, it has just gone from strength to strength. We have 50 schools. We call them little play groups um, across South Africa. Um, and that is open to franchising across the world. So if that's something that's some, that really tickles the fancy of one of the nannies who's listening to this or one of the parents, it's certainly something that we can we can look at. What's completely unique about it is, aside from the fact that it happens in a person's home, either the nanny's home or the parent's home, um, the other part that's completely unique is that it is based on an imaginary play program. Um, and that's because we know that imaginary play for the toddler is the most incredible fertile soil for the development of every single facet of development. And, um, you know, I think very often parents get caught up in gross motor skills, fine motor skills, language skills, technical skills, STEM skills, whatever, you know, the, the skills focused outcomes based um, charge that we all have nowadays and in, in our modern world. But the truth is that your soft skills, which are things like creativity, collaboration, creativity, creativity, as I said, um, those are much more important long for long-term success. And the fertile breeding ground for that is imaginary play. Yes. And so our curriculum is very much focused around imaginary play. It has sensory play and gross motor play, obviously, but um, the curriculum is very much focused around imaginary play. Fantastic. And so how long does it, how long does it take, let's say if I were interested in, you know, starting up PlaySense, how long would it take me to learn about the curriculum, how to set it up? and all of that's involved? So we vet our teachers quite carefully. They have to have a background in early years or early child um, education or care. So a nanny who's kind of got five years under her belt and has been caring for toddlers would be absolutely perfect for the program. Or an early years teacher would also be absolutely fine, an early childhood education teacher. So we first of all, the first process is we have a look at, you know, do, do you have what it takes to really be passionate about this age group? Um, the age group of two to five year olds is a very magical time, um, but it comes with a lot of demand. So we, yes. we check our <laughs> teachers out carefully. Yes, you know. Um the next step is that you go through our online training program, which is not very long. That can take you as short as two to three weeks. Um, it's an online program. Um, it's got 20 modules that you run through in your own time. You have two sessions during the course of that training program with me personally, um, just to take you through any questions. And then from there, you can go and actually just set up your school. Your school gets yeah. loaded up onto our website, um, and then parents can actually apply to then come and join place in schools. Okay, fantastic. And how... Did your background as a occupational therapy help you create the course? Um, I think a couple of things. First of all, um, occupational therapists are trained in early childhood development, um, and that is my passion. I, I think that the early years are absolutely crucial in terms of the whole lifelong trajectory of a child's development and of a human being's development. And so that would be my first point of departure, that I understand the way the children's brains work. I understand what they need in order to learn. I have a deep understanding of the um, of the emotional world of the toddler and of the human being and of um, human mental health. Um, and so all of those foundations come through in the curriculum. So I would say that, that that's the first thing. Um, I also know that little ones need to be able to learn to self-regulate. And that is also comes from my background as an occupational therapist. And the ability of a human being to self-regulate is grounded in relationships. Um, children only learn to self-regulate if they're in a caring relationship. It's just the only way that it happens. Yep. Um, and so that caring relationship with a nanny or, or a teacher who's working with them through a curriculum between two and five years old develops that self-regulation. 
And as all the research shows us, um, the marshmallow test um, by Walter Michelle is just one of the examples of that. Yes. Um, if children develop self-regulation under five years of age, it bodes very well for long-term success. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for giving us an overview of uh, PlaySense. So you also developed a um, an app called ParentSense. How do you feel, do you feel that more nannies and maternity nurses or newborn care specialists are using technology more in childcare? Or do you think that they are reluctant to using technology? Um, so technology is very interesting because it's quite a con controversial space when it comes to early childhood. Um, and in fact, one of the talks that I do is on technology and toddlers and, and actually just how damaging, in fact, that can be mm -hmm. to the human brain development. So, um, you know, I, I am one to be quite cautious around technology. Having said that, obviously, technology is an incredible enabler and it gives us access to so much information. Now, um, when we look at information acquisition through technology, there's three main buckets that that falls into. The one is websites. So mm -hmm. you can go and Google something and come up with um, a solution, to, an answer to a question or a solution. Um, and that, that's your first um, digital engagement. Your second digital engagement would be social, social media. So that would be TikTok or, or Instagram where it's curated. So in other words, you follow so-and-so, you follow me, you see me say something, therefore you follow what I say. And that's socially curated digital content. And both of those are actually flawed. And there's a reason why they're both flawed. Um, a website is flawed from the perspective that um, you actually don't, there's no filter on it. So you can go and read up anything on, on, an, on a website and it could be an absolute rubbish and, and you have no idea. And, you know, it's, it's not like it's a peer reviewed article in a journal. You actually just don't know, you know, mm -hmm. and it can be very well written and very convincingly put forward. And really that then you base all your parenting decisions or your nanny decisions on that. So it, you, you, it, it, it has some risks. Social media equally has risks, and we've seen that. I mean, in, in the elections that have happened in various countries over the last few years, and you know, with, with in COVID vaccination yes. controversies. I mean, you could your your head can go anywhere you want to with this. Um, you know, socially curated content is dangerous because you get fed more of what you think you want to hear and mm -hmm. what you want to hear, and so it reinforces your belief. And so again, you know, socially curated content is something that I think can be problematic. So I am a big, big proponent for the third digital option. And that third digital option are apps. And the reason for that is that apps can, the apps give us the opportunity to have socially, uh, not socially curated, expert curated content. And that's mm -hmm. what we've done with ParentSense. I have been very, very careful and super meticulous on choosing the content and the information that is really, really grounded um, in, in science and that is evidence-based. Um, the dietitian who's on my um, board of advisory is um, one of the advisory um, dietitians in ESPGAN, which is the European um, you know, Dietetics Association. So um, we've been very careful around the content that we've delivered to parents and that we, you know, that it, it doesn't involve a whole lot of nonsense that actually shouldn't be fed to parents. Mm. So when, it, when I think about nannies using technology, um, I would be saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater as it were. So do use technology, but choose the technology carefully and choose it in a way that you know that the content that's been delivered to you is something that you can use. Now, the, um, ParentSense app is incredible for nannies because you can load an unlimited number of babies. So, I mean, if you're looking after more than one baby, you can load them all up. The ParentSense app will give you a daily routine for every single baby, regardless of their age, but that is very, very bespoke to that baby. And it's based on a number of criteria. Number one, it's based on 
how old they are, obviously. Number two, whether or not they were born prematurely because mm -hmm. um, babies who are born prematurely have different developmental needs. Right. Number three, the age at which you've chosen to introduce solids because if a baby has solids introduced later, they have a different weaning journey compared to earlier introduction of solids. And so it has a number of nuances that creates a really specific um, kind of, um, when I say routine, it's not so much a routine, but, but kind of order for the baby's day. Mm -hmm. Included in that is their suggested sleep times based on the science of awake times. Included in that are recipes and um, incredible meal plans. And all of those have been developed with the dietitian um, to prevent allergies and to prevent picky eating. And then we've got a developmental activity, a stimulation activity for every single day of a baby's life that builds on the developmental milestones. So as a baby does a developmental milestone, the next activity is fed through. And so you've got activities for every single day as the little one goes through their first year of life. So if I were a nanny, it would be the app that I would be choosing. And I think ParentSense is a good choice. Now you've made me come up with a couple of questions for you. So the first one is, does the ParentSense app have an age range so is it just for the babies until they reach a certain age or is it for any age child so right now as we're having this interview which is in in the in august and i know that these interviews can fly at any time but at the moment it is for naught to 12 months okay um having said that in january of 2023 we will be introducing the pregnancy section of the app and what is going to be going in um, at the same time is the homeschool program. And it's actually the PlaySense homeschool program, which is an imaginary play-based program for two to five-year-olds. That's going into the app as well. So right now it is um, a zero to 12-month-old app, although we've got a number of courses in the app that are from other ages. So for instance, in the app, we've got a potty training course. Um, mm -hmm. So you can, which is a very, you know, I mean, that goes all the way through into the toddler years. We have got an antenatal class. We've got a how to prevent choking class. So we've got all of these little courses in the app that obviously pertain to babies of different ages. Okay, fantastic. And then my other question was, you were talking about the social media and the websites being curated. But for somebody who doesn't know what they don't know, it's really hard to decide what they want to follow. So I know I trained as a nanny. I worked as a nanny for 30 years. So I kind of know what I want to my the outcome of my childcare to be. Um, and obviously I work for parents who are aligned with what my outcomes are. Um, but for somebody who's new and who's starting, that's kind of hard. Um, and so it it begs the question... If I don't know what I don't know, how do I know who to follow? <laughs> mm, that's, a, that's a very, very important question and very difficult question, actually. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I do think that we all do have an innate gut around these things. We have an innate sense inside of ourselves that tells us what works and doesn't work for us. Mm -hmm. And um, I think noise, which can be science and media, um, both can be noise can dull that that voice inside of us. And I think that that's the risk that nannies and parents actually face is that they've, yes. they've lost the ability to hear their inner voice. Um, but if you listen hard enough, something will resonate with you. So um, as an example, if you are advised to do a quiet out sleep training program and it doesn't resonate well with you and it doesn't sit well in your gut, well, it's likely that potentially that is something that you maybe shouldn't then be, um, mm -hmm. you know, being in, be, being doing with your little ones. So try and listen to your gut is my first piece of advice. 
My second piece of advice is to choose um, very specific voices that you can listen to um, and try and narrow it down just to those voices. So, um, you know, I think th that can be science-based. So um, Dr. Meg Meeker is an example of somebody that I think has some some great wisdoms, um, maybe myself, make for it. You know, th there will be voices that you that resonate with you that you go, okay, hold on, that feels like something that I would be saying, and it sits in my gut, or it actually feels like common sense to me. If something feels like common sense to you, it actually can sometimes be, you know, a good guide as well. Um, and so, and then try and listen to only that one voice, because the minute you've got a diffuse number of voices and, you know, the one person saying, um, your baby must co-sleep with you and the next voice saying, you know, you, they mustn't co-sleep with you because of SIDS and you've got all these different voices shouting at you, you actually can end up in a situation where, where you'd feel very, um, you know, you, you, you re really don't know who to listen to. Right. It kind of becomes overwhelming at that point. It does. Yeah. Yvonne has joined us. Hi, Yvonne. Oh, but she might be frozen. So we'll continue. Um, all right. So you've also... I, the time off, I think it's 11.30 or my time. Um, so we, I know you've written lots of books um, and some of them are on sleeping, some of them are weaning, some of them are pregnancy. And the thing that I, I, I was looking through some of your books and um, the one thing that I really liked was the fact that you focus on cues, on baby's cues. And so figuring out which cues to follow for each different thing so if we if you need to worry about sleep which cues to follow to get them to the right place um and so can you tell us a little bit more about how nannies or parents would figure out those cues because let's say i'm a new parent i don't know what what cues are i don't know what my baby's trying to say to me how would a parent learn those Mm. So the first step in learning a baby's cues is to be still and watch for them. And I think that's a very important thing because I think sometimes we, we, we're so busy reading the book or the app, as an example, that our head isn't in the baby and our head actually mm. needs to be in the baby and reflecting on them. And, and um, there's some wonderful um, infant mental health psychology literature on that. And we call it reflective function, the ability to reflect on what my baby's state is and what they're trying to communicate. So step number one is, is being a reflective parent and watching for cues. The second thing is that cues are fascinating because babies have a full language from the day they're born. You just have to watch for it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we do in the Baby Sense book is that we take children through the six states of infancy that a baby moves through any day and in, in any day. And those states were um, developed by um, or, or, or kind of written down or noted by Brazelton, who of course was you know one of our best loved mm -hmm. pediatricians in America, and. Um, what he said was that there were these six states, the deep sleep state, light sleep, drowsy, calm alert, active alert, and crying states. These are the six states. Now, each of those states, actually babies have very specific cues for. So for example, the calm alert state, which is this magical state, because when a baby is in a calm alert state, their brain is on full alert for learning, and they are wanting to engage, they're wanting to learn, they are making those brain connections, the synapses are firing. And the cue for that is being still, eyes wide open, um, mouth slightly open, maybe a little smile on their face and making eye contact. Now that's a magical cue. And if you, if you, if you don't miss it, if you actually catch that cue, it'll give you the opportunity to really stimulate and engage with your little one. And then learning opportunities happen mm -hmm. on the, on the other side, you get your more fussy and grisly cues. So for instance, hands to mouth and hands to midline are warning cues. So when little ones bring their hands towards 
the, the midline and towards their mouth, it usually indicates that they're trying to soothe themselves or, or um, keep themselves together, which is fine. It doesn't mean that they're going to cry. It just means that they're working hard at what they're doing to stay calm. But it's an indication as a parent to note what's going on in the environment. Are they becoming overstimulated? Because if they're becoming overstimulated, that might at some point escalate to hiccups or eventually to crying um, and to real distress and maybe colic. So, you know, you you kind of, it's watching for those very subtle signals of something as simple as, mouth, as of hands to mouth or hands to mm-hmm. midline that will, will give you the cues. So, you know, I think watching cues are very important in the early days. And that goes all the way through into the toddler years where, you know, you once you're tuned to your little one, you'll be able to watch for those cues. Fantastic. Thank you. And um, I also saw that you use an acronym, COLLAB. Could you walk us through that? Mm, so COLLAB was something when when Kath McGaw, who's the pediatric dietitian, who um, she studied at John Hopkins University and everything I've done to do with diet, she's done with me. So she wrote Pregnancy Sense with me. She wrote um weaning sense she wrote allergy sense and she wrote feeding sense with me those four books um and when her and I were sitting together to do the weaning book I said to her you know I want an acronym I want something that people can actually hang their hat on when they're starting to wean their babies to understand what they are looking for what what the principles are for weaning and so we came up with this acronym collab which the c stood for cues which is exactly what we've just spoken about what are those cues for when your baby's ready the O stood for own personality and the fact that every single one of my books and my app and my programs all have sense in it has to do with the fact that I believe that we all have our own sensory personalities and that sensory personality will dictate actually how your baby's going to be weaned. And so that's why the weaning sense book had the O in collab. And then the middle L was for led by science and um, led by science um, could otherwise be known as evidence-based. We just needed an L for it. So (laughs) we called it led by science. But, and the reason for that is that, you know, the science of weaning is critically important. And, and fortunately um, there's a lot of controversy around when to wean and what to wean onto. And it seems to swing in as a not, not so much as a pendulum, but it seems to go in waves. I mean, in the 1970s, it was very early weaning directly onto avocado, as an example. Um, more recently, when I was weaning my, my son, who I said was 24 years old, it was rice cereal and it was six yes. months old, you know, because everyone was worried about allergies. And now we understand that actually that was a completely incorrect thing to wean babies onto, you know, pure carbohydrates of a fat diet. Yeah. which breast milk has a high level of fat in it, why would you wean onto pure car- processed carbohydrates? So what we did in this chapter of the L, the led by science, is we took the latest science on what, when should babies be weaned, um, and by weaned I mean put onto solids, and what should they be weaned onto, and we put that into that chapter. And then the A in collab stands for age-appropriate because there's age-appropriate stages at which you want to um, introduce different foods. And then the B at the end of collab stands for baby-led. And that is not necessarily baby-led weaning, but it's baby-friendly weaning, which means that you want to make sure that you're watching a baby's cues and their ability to self-regulate their appetite. It's got to do with not force feeding. You know, it's all of that type of thing um, in the baby-friendly chapter. Fantastic. I think a lot of the things that you that you have said kind of resonate with with my background so although although I trained um, as a nanny for two years in England and then I, I actually did quite a bit of research myself and I developed my own ways and styles of doing things which doesn't have a name but maybe it should <laughs> um, but I feel like sometimes especially with weaning um, 
nannies and parents always say, oh, my child is X age, so I need to start weaning. Um, mm. And I always say, but you don't, you, you, you don't mm -hmm. have to start it just because it's a, your child's a certain age. You have to make sure that your child is ready. And, you know, what if your child was ready earlier and you didn't start it? Um, and the same with foods, like everybody, we're all going to have avocado. Well, that might be so, but I mean, have you looked mm -hmm. at research to understand why avocado is mm -hmm. the food of choice? And I, I feel like people are looking for a cookie cutter kind of childcare. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. everything has to be done at the same age. Everybody has to follow the same rules. And I just don't see it that way because babies and children are individuals. Um, and so we should follow what their stages are for them, not for us. Mm, um, I could, couldn't agree more, 100%. And you know, that, that word cookie cutter, it's so interesting. I used that in an interview I did in London when I launched my fifth book. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, that, that we can't have a cookie cutter approach to parenting because A, every baby's different. And that speaks to their sensory personality. But B, every mother's different. Exactly. And, and in fact, there's a third person in the room, which is the grandmother, because even if she's not standing in the room, yes, her opinions are coming through in her daughter and in her son. And so, you know, it's a really complex thing, this whole, you know, parenting story. And it can't be one, a one size fits all. No, no, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. um, well, those were all of my questions. And it's been it's been great to have you on. Um, is there anything you would like to add or share with us? Yeah, look, I mean, I think, I guess where people can get hold of me, um, my website is megfora.com um, and the app is available on the App Store, both the Apple and the Google Play Store, and it's called Parent Sense. Um, and in the um, playgroup program is playsense.org um, would be the place to find me. Um, and, you know, I just, I would encourage parents to go and have a look at the app. It is free of charge um, in the store. And then the courses are in-app purchases within the app. So you can go and actually do the courses and understand, um, you know, a little bit more about your individual sensory baby. Um, I think for nannies, the course that I would like to highlight is the one on the sensory personality, because it helps you to understand your little charges, the little ones that you're looking after in a different way. And, you know, you, you spoke about it not being a cookie cutter approach. Well, I think it can be um, really in your, your approach can be really enhanced if you understand baby's sensory personalities, because mm -hmm. they are so different, you know, and yeah. Um, yeah. So I really do appreciate you giving me this forum and for us and being able to connect candy and for yes. me connecting with those nannies and mums who listen to your podcast. Fantastic. I will add um, your links to the podcast and to the YouTube and then people will be able to just click and find you. That's fabulous. Thank you very much for the opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you.